The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 315. Hello and welcome to the three-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm your host here every week. I also host many other podcasts on the MedEd Media Network, including the MCAT Podcast, the Old Pre-Meds Podcast, the MCAT Cars Podcast, and soon to be coming out, there are some other ones I'm, I'm leaving out, but soon to be coming out, the Board Rounds Podcast. Now, you're obviously listening to the Pre-Med Years because you are a pre-med student, but Board Rounds is what is next for you. Once you get into medical school, then we'll have Board Rounds waiting for you. Board Rounds is a podcast that I will be doing with Board Vitals, a USMLE Step 1 and Comlex Level 1 test prep company. They're actually a, a huge test prep company for almost all healthcare fields, including nursing and and NPs and so much more. And we're coming out with a podcast that you can actually go find now in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, etc. That's called Board Rounds. Look for that soon after you get into med school. Let's focus on getting into medical school first. And that's what we do here at the Pre-Med Years. I want to ask you to do one thing for me today. We put out this podcast every week. I get tons of messages from students all over the country, including Canada, and actually in other uh, parts of the country. I had one from, I think, London today or yesterday as well, who listened to the podcast and got into med school in Europe. And I just want you... If we have provided value to you, just go share it with somebody. Go tell somebody about this podcast. Grab their phone, show them how to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening. Show them how to listen as well. Today, I want to talk about when you should start thinking about giving up on your application. As we're recording this, it's the beginning of December. Application season has been open up now for several months. What happens? Right? What happens if you haven't heard anything? What happens if you have heard something? What happens if you've interviewed but haven't heard anything since your interview or you have heard something? Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad. That's what I want to talk about today. But before I jump into that, I wanna make another small little announcement. Talk about all the podcasts with board rounds coming out. Uh, part of this announcement, the second announcement, it kinda ties into board rounds and that's the fact that I 
am here every day creating content for you guys, and I love doing it. That is where I find where I am the happiest, just here creating content for you, helping you on your journey into medical school and now through medical school. And here at the medical school headquarters, we are going to be doing even more of that. I am rearranging some things in my business, my medical school headquarters business, my podcasting business, my my coaching business with students, and I'm making more room to create more content. And I'm also hiring for the first time ever, hiring actual employees to help me do this. And one of the employees is a fellow student of yours, a fellow pre-med who's actually in the application cycle now. And the other person is someone who I found, luckily, who has an amazing background in marketing and project management, and she's going to be driving a lot of the changes that you'll be seeing coming up here at the medical school headquarters, including some amazing projects on the website, including finally our secondary essay database well, we're going to have a med school reviews database as well where medical students can go on and review their school, what they like about it, don't like about it, areas for improvement, et cetera, so that you have some resources to, to look up and see what other students are saying about the schools that you think you want to apply to. And I could just go on and on and on. We just have lists and lists and lists of ideas and projects that that are coming to this website to this podcast, including new podcasts. If you want to get involved in some way, just reach out. Reach out to um, my team account, team at medicalschoolhq.net, and let us know. Are you a writer? Are you uh, a, a photographer, a designer? Do you have some skills that maybe you can bring to the table and help our team with the projects we have coming up? Let me know. Again, team at medicalschoolhq.net. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this topic today. What you should do, right? When should I give up? Or what should I do now that it's December and I haven't heard anything? So it's December, and there are lots of potential places where you could be during this application cycle right now. You could be a student who hasn't received any interviews yet. And at this point in the game, it's probably not likely that you will receive any interviews. Can you still receive interviews? Absolutely. Never say never. But is it likely? Probably not. And so if you're at this point in the game and you haven't received any interviews, the question is why? And here's the biggest challenge that I think students have with this whole process of of failing to get into medical school with their application is the honest self-reflection of their application. Now, students will say, I am a strong applicant, but I haven't gotten any interviews. Well, maybe you're not that strong of an applicant then. But my mommy told me I was a strong applicant. Well, maybe your mommy doesn't know. Well, my mommy's an admissions committee member. Okay, maybe your mommy does know. (laughs) But obviously, she has uh, some some bias there. But anyway, if if you are at this point in the game and you haven't received any interviews, the question is why not? Why haven't you received any interviews? And so you have to go down this checklist. What's your MCAT score? Is your MCAT score low? Now when I say low, I mean below 500. Is it really low? Is there a subsection 
one of the sections, cars, chem, phys, bio, biochem, psych, soch, is there a section that is really low? And I'm meaning like 123, 122. Is there a section that's really low that is potentially filtering you out? And we all like to talk about holistic admissions. And in our hangout, uh, pre-med hangout on Facebook, people will post questions about their their stats and their applications and why, why aren't they getting interviews and holistic interviews. And a lot of people go, yeah, yeah, holistic, holistic. You're more than your numbers. And I agree with that. But if your numbers aren't good enough, holistic has nothing to do with it. You need to overcome a certain threshold of GPA and MCAT score to get to that holistic application review. If you do not have a minimum MCAT score and a minimum GPA to get into the school that's reviewing your application, then you're not going to be reviewed. If your MCAT score is too low, the school's going to assume that you're not going to be a good student. And, and there are schools out there that will say, we, when, when we accept a student below a 500, they are more likely to fail a class. They are more likely to not finish school. And schools have their own data for all of this. And so schools have cutoffs. And the generic cutoff that I throw out there all the time is less than 500, less than a 3.0. Cumulative. Less than a 500, less than a 3.0. If you have less than a 500 and less than a 3.0, you might start thinking about taking some more classes. You might start thinking about retaking the MCAT. Now, can you get in with less than a 500 and less than a 3.0? Absolutely. We've had students on the podcast that have gotten in with less than a 500 and less than a 3.0. What did they do to get in? Well, they probably took post-bac classes. And so maybe their overall GPA is less than a 3.0, but they have a super strong upward trend. Maybe their science GPA is pretty high because most of their their science courses were done during a post-bac and they did well. And they were a history major in school and so they didn't have a lot of science, but they're, they slacked off and partied and did whatever in undergrad. And so cumulative is less than 3.0, but their science is high. So there are so many nuances that go into... MCAT and GPA, that when somebody posts a question in the Hangout, here's my GPA, here's my MCAT score, what are my chances? It's impossible to answer. And so if you ask that question, I shut down those conversations because it's impossible to answer without going in depth into what do your trends look like? What were the issues? Can you talk about how you overcame? All of these little nuances that paint the picture of your story. Your story is important, and that's where the holistic comes in to play. But if you can't get past the digital shredders of filters that schools set up when they download the data from a Comus or AMCAS or TMDSAS, if with their filters they say, I don't want to see any application less than a 500, less than a 3.0, if you don't meet those thresholds for that specific school, you're likely not going to get an interview. Can you advocate for yourself and say, hey, school, I know that I am probably going to be filtered out because of this and that. And I would still like you to take a look at my application. Is that possible? Absolutely. I have a student who traveled around to a couple pre-med conferences. She's got a 499 on her MCAT. Talked to schools, got face-to-face. Here's who I am. Here's my story. She got some interviews. 
and hopefully she'll get in. She wasn't getting any any interviews, and then she met people face-to-face and said, here's who I am. Look at me. Yes, I struggled with the MCAT, but look, I, I went up eight points on my MCAT. I know it's still below 500, but please take a look at me. You can advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Go to conferences. Get in front of these people. At this point in the game, December, it's a little late. But if you're listening to this and you haven't applied yet and maybe you're stuck in this situation around October, November, try to get to conferences. Beginning mid-October is the UC Davis conference. November, there's usually some conferences. Get in front of people. That's all you can do. Can you reach out to schools? Sure. Just check what the schools say. Right? How, how do they want you to contact them? Or do they want you to contact them at all? Some schools interview up until April, so there's still a chance to get an interview. It's slim, but it's there. There's a lot of movement in the application cycle. And so if somebody has four acceptances and they finally make their decision on the one school that they're going to and they turn down the other three schools, guess what? Now the school has an open spot. And maybe they want to invite some more people for an interview. That is completely possible. So you have to, if you're at this point in the game and you haven't received an interview, you have to be honest with yourself. Where are you struggling? If it's an MCAT thing, retake the MCAT. Don't apply again next cycle. Or or if it's just an MCAT thing, right? And being honest with yourself, your clinical experience is is great. Your uh, research, if you have any, is good, right? You don't have to have research, but if you have research, it's there. Uh, your your extracurriculars as a whole kind of paint the picture of who you are. You've written a good personal statement. You submitted your applications on time. You uh, submitted your secondary applications on time. And really the only thing that you know is holding you back is that 495 MCAT score. Retake the MCAT and apply again. If everything else you think is there, your GPA is good, everything is good, retake the MCAT, apply again. Now, if you remember back in episode 171, an interview that I did with a former dean of admissions at UC Irvine, she talked about one of the most common reasons students aren't getting in is lack of clinical experience. And one of the most common mistakes that reapplicants make is applying too soon without fixing their application. Now, if it's just an MCAT you have to fix, you can do that pretty quickly. Obviously, it takes a couple months to restudy. But if it's December right now and you're like, okay, I know it's the MCAT, I'm going to, to take it again in April. Guess what? You have four months to study and then reapply come May and June. If you're looking at your application and you think it may be poor grades that are holding you back, this is a longer term process. Why do you have the poor grades is the first question. Was there an upward trend, a downward trend, a just a flat line, but still not very good grades? You have to be honest with yourself and figure out why you didn't get into school or why you didn't get good grades as to why you didn't get an interview. Why didn't you get good grades? Did you just not try? Did you try hard and and maybe you have undiagnosed dyslexia or some other learning disability? There are lots of reasons for struggling in school. Have you figured out why you have? Because if you haven't figured it out, then it's kind of useless to go back and take more classes and get the same poor grades. 
Because if your GPA is holding you back, guess what? You need more classes. But if you haven't figured out why you're struggling, then it's useless to go back and take more classes until you figure it out. There are lots of options. You can go back and, and take more classes at your four-year university where you went to, to undergrad and just take classes as an undergree-seeking student. You can take post-bac classes. You can do a special master's program. There are lots of options. We've covered a lot of them before. I'm not going to go into them here. But if it's grades, take the time, improve your grades, don't rush the application because guess what? By the time you get registered for classes, you're taking your classes, you, you, you'll you get one semester under your belt before applications are due. So it's typically not worth it to rush the application if it's grades. Take that full year, get a, a full two, three, four semesters under your belt and get the your grades up, show a positive trend, in your classwork, in your grades, and then potentially reapply. If it's lack of clinical experience, I know a student who has 4.0 GPA, a good MCAT score, only has one interview. We talk about it, and she's lacking clinical experience. Right, Going back to episode 171, one of the most common reasons students aren't getting accepted, and I would throw interviewed in there as well, is lack of clinical experience. How is an admissions committee supposed to take you seriously if you haven't stepped foot in a hospital to see, to interact, to smell, to, 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 to be a part of patient care? If you haven't done that, the admissions committee won't take you seriously. They won't invite you for an interview. They won't accept you. You have to have good clinical experience. Now, don't email me, don't message me and say, Dr. Gray, how many hours do I need? I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> I hate that question. Get hours. You need to show hours. Is it shadowing that you're missing? Is it clinical experience that you're missing? Maybe you're, you're applying to super research-heavy schools and you don't have any research. Ask yourself those questions. Did you do a poor job writing your personal statement? Did you do a poor job writing your extracurriculars? Ask yourself that. I, I have a, a personal statement book that you should check out if you're not getting... Any interviews, check out the book. Maybe you wrote your personal statement wrong, or at least not the way that I recommend it. I'll have a book at some point in the future all about the application process, and we'll talk about second uh, um, extracurriculars in there. And so I'll, I'll have some resources for how to write a good extracurricular. If you want a little bit more information on writing your personal statement, I have a personal statement course now. If you go to store.medicalschoolhq.net, there's a, a kind of at-your-own-pace course all about the personal statement. You get access to a private Facebook group where we have office hours every other week. Lots of options out there. Lots of, of variables. And this is what irks me the most with this process is that students automatically go, I'm not getting an interview. I should do a postback. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's your GPA? 3.8. Why do you think you need to do a post-bac if your GPA is a 3.8? You've already proven that you can handle courses. You've already proven that you are a good student. You don't need a post-bac. There's something else in your application that is holding you up. You have to be honest with your evaluation, your reflection of your essay, or not your essay, your, your application. Okay, You have to be honest. If you've interviewed, let's move on now. If you've interviewed at a school, but you've been waitlisted or you haven't heard anything, 
there's still lots of time. All right, beginning of December, there's lots of movement with applications or with acceptance lists. I mentioned earlier that if a student is holding four, uh, four acceptances, once they decide the school that they want to go to, they will then tell the schools that they don't want to go to where they hold acceptances. They'll say, thanks, but no thanks. And then those schools will go to their wait list. They'll go to students who have interviewed but, but maybe didn't make a wait list. Maybe they don't have a wait list. Whatever it is, they're going to go to some list somewhere. And they'll go, okay, we have another spot that's opened up. Who do we want now? And some schools will rank their wait list. Some schools won't. Schools that rank their wait list will just take that top person and call them up and say, congratulations, you've been accepted. And that student will say, thank you, I'm coming. Or they may say, thank you, I've been accepted somewhere else. In that case, they'll go to the next person until they find a student who's willing to take that seat. For schools that don't rank their wait list, they'll reevaluate everybody and say, okay, where are we? We have a pile of, of 30 students here who we've put on a wait list. We have one seat opened up. Let's get back to the drawing board and figure out who we want to accept. So there's lots, there's lots, there's lots of movement when it comes to the last several months of the application cycle. There, there are stories out there, and I've known some people who have gotten a last second invite or acceptance rather to a medical school, like the last week prior to school starting. This isn't like the last week of April. This is like, hey, it's the end of June and orientation starts first week of July. You're accepted. Can you make it? Like, uh, heck yeah, I'm coming. I'll figure it out. It's never over until it's over. So if you have interviewed, there's still hope. Now, what do you do in this process? Well, you update schools, the schools that accept updates. You continue to strengthen your application with the assumption that you're not going to get in, going back to kind of the first step of this algorithm of reflecting back on your application, what's wrong with it, how can I improve it? If you've gotten an interview, your GPA, your MCAT score is obviously good enough. Maybe you were lacking something in clinical experience that they dove a little bit deeper on while you were there. Maybe you were a poor interviewer. I had Natalie on the podcast a while ago, and she talked about having six, I think it was six interviews one year, six waitlists. She did some mock interviews with me. She had I think seven interviews with six, six acceptances and one wait list. If, if you're getting the interview and you're not getting in, maybe you need to improve your interviewing. Again, I have a book on it. Congratulations, I have a book. So check out my book, The Pre-Med Playbook, Guide to the Medical School Interview. And I do have a course on this as well, kind of a do-it-yourself course that uh, is being updated right now. So I'll, I'll tell you to hold off on, on going to look at that. That's being updated soon. So there, there are so many things, there's so many parts of this process, which is why it's, it's when you go on to SDN or you go on to Reddit and people are just saying, oh, I have a 4.0 and a 520 and I'm not getting in, then, then students freak out because you're like, well, if a 520 and a 4.0 aren't getting a student in, then my 3.8 and a, a 510 are obviously not good enough. And that's where you get students asking questions I have a 3.8, but I was shooting for a 3.85, right? And, and for the students who have listened to this podcast long enough, you know that it's crazy to think that way. But I'm empathetic to know why they're thinking that way. 
because there are stories out there on these other sites of students talking about their high scores, high GPA, and they're not getting in. And I'm here to tell you that it's not because they're not good enough stat-wise. It's because there's something else in their application that's missing. And I'm not telling you that you have to be perfect. Please, please get that across to you. Let me get that across to you. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have a perfect personal statement, perfect extracurriculars, perfect MCAT score, perfect GPA, perfect whatever. You have to be good enough. And so these students who have high GPA, high MCAT scores, they obviously are falling very flat somewhere else. Are they failing in an interview because they don't have any social skills? Uh, Did they write a very, very poor personal statement? Did they write very poor extracurriculars? Did they not paint a good picture of who they are as a person? There are so many reasons, so many variables that go into this, and I want you to understand that. So when a student posts a question, MCAT, GPA, and focusing on MCAT and GPA, and focusing on MCAT and GPA, ignore it. Or ask the follow-up questions. What kind of extracurriculars do you have? What, what sort of clinical experience do you have? What sort of shadowing do you have? Volunteering. When did you turn in your application? Oh, I turned it in at the deadline. Well, that's why you didn't get in. And if you apply at the deadline, there's a reason. There's a reason. You need to apply early. So there's so many reasons why a student doesn't get into medical school. And I want you to understand that it's you don't have to just focus on MCAT and GPA. The first knee-jerk reaction that you should have is not, I need to take more classes. It should be, why did I not get an interview? Why did I not get an acceptance? That's the question that you have to ask yourself. Poor grades, poor ECs, poor MCAT score, poor interviewing, poor personal statement, lack of consistency with extracurriculars. Maybe you have a 1,000 hours of shadowing, but it was all from like two summers, freshman and sophomore year, and then you have nothing since. There's so many variables in this process. I can go on and on and on about all the different variables. Just understand that there are so many variables as to why you're not getting in. And so the question, when should I give up? Well, we covered it a little bit. If you haven't received an interview invite at this point, it's December. If you haven't received an interview invite at this point, it is highly unlikely that you're going to get one. Is it possible? Yes. Probable? No. And so start having that conversation. Where did I go wrong? Where can I improve? These are conversations that you should be having with your advisor if you have access to one. If you don't have access to one, ask medical students who've gotten in. Uh, reach out to the medical schools and see if they'll do a review of your application potentially. A lot of them will tell you no, but it doesn't hurt to ask. You can reach out to private advisors like me if you just go to store.medicalschoolhq.net. There are lots of options to get that critical analysis of your application to figure out where you went wrong. If you've interviewed and you haven't gotten any acceptances yet, start again doing that critical analysis. Where did I go wrong did I interview poorly? Maybe some of you know. Be like, oh, you, I walked out of there sweating bullets. I knew I did terrible, et cetera, et cetera. And then guess what? Your application may be strong enough. I would still continue to work on your application as much as possible and then prepare for your interviews next time. Do better next time. There's so many 
things that you can be doing. But when should you give up? Right, the, the title of this podcast, When Should I Give Up? It's never. If this is what you want, you never give up. You figure out where you went wrong and you course correct, period. Never, ever give up if this is your dream.